Welcome to The Path and the Practice, a podcast dedicated to sharing the professional origin stories of the attorneys at Foley and Lardner LLP, a full-service law firm with over 1,000 lawyers across the U.S. and abroad. I'm your host, Alexis Robertson, Director of Diversity and Inclusion at Foley. In each episode of this podcast, you'll hear me in conversation with a different Foley attorney. You'll learn about each guest's unique background, path to law school, and path to Foley and Lardner. Essentially, you'll hear the stories you won't find on their professional bios. And of course, you'll learn a bit about their practice. Now, let's get to the episode. This episode features a conversation with Ivory Jari, a 2022 summer associate in Foley's Chicago office. In this discussion, Ivory reflects on growing up in Chicago, Illinois, which I will admit was of particular interest to me because I live in Chicago and actually spent almost a decade living in a neighborhood not too far from where Ivory grew up. But then I get her to talk about attending the University of Illinois Chicago for undergrad and the University of Illinois Chicago School of Law. Ivory reflects on the twists and turns on her journey to law school, which included over four years working as an IP legal specialist, and she also goes into the challenges of gaining admission to law school. Additionally, I get her to talk about her experience as a part-time evening law student. We then have a discussion about her experience finding that summer associate position, how it was that she settled on Foley, and then of course she shares what it was like to be a summer associate at Foley and Lardner. We then end our conversation with Ivory imparting some words of advice on the importance of prioritizing your health and well-being. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Ivory Jari. Ivory, welcome to the podcast. Let's get started by having you give a short introduction. Hello, my name is Ivory Jari, and I am a rising 3L at the University of Illinois Chicago School of Law long name, so we call it UIC Law for short. (laughs) But yeah, in this summer, I had the pleasure and opportunity to work as a summer associate here at Foley. And we are both in the Chicago office. I'm trying to think, I actually will have recorded with one other Chicago summer, but a few that of course are not in this office. So we've actually been able to spend a little bit of time together, which is exciting to me because there's often attorneys I have on this podcast who I've never really met before in person. <laughs> <laughs> little secret behind the scenes of the path and the practice. But anyway, Ivory, let's dive in. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I am truly a native Chicagoan, born and raised here, not from Schaumburg or any of the nearby, you know, suburbs. So (laughs) I grew up actually on the north side of Chicago, so in the Edgewater neighborhood, and then moved around to like the Lakeview neighborhood. And currently I stay in River North. It's interesting. I think everybody from a big city gets this, but you feel some type of way when someone who lives, like you said, Schaumburg, Aurora, uh, yeah. Arlington Heights claims Chicago and you're like, no, you, no, you like, don't. Mm, you no, said you a don't. whole different name, not Chicago. <laughs> yeah. So for the listeners, I live in Oak Park, which is 10 miles west of downtown. But I will tell you, I don't claim Chicago. I say Oak Park. But to someone who's not from here, yeah. the fact that I can take the train in, they will think Oak Park is like the far flung suburbs. It is not. I can almost rightly claim the city. No, you can. You can. There is an exception for Oak Park. (laughs) There you go for Oak Parkers. Okay. So tell me a little bit about life growing up in Edgewater. There may be other things you want to highlight, but let's say I found you in late elementary school, early middle school. What were you into? Oh my goodness. Really just into, you know, with my friends in school, just trying to 
I don't know, do what little kids do, just play and have fun. Sports, hobbies, activities, siblings. Yeah, so I actually have three siblings, three brothers, no sisters, so I am the only girl, but it's been great. (laughs) Give me birth order. So where are you with the the four kids? second to youngest. I have a younger brother, two older brothers. It almost makes you like a double middle, though, in a way. I don't know what the age range is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're pretty spaced out. But only girl, Mm -hmm. so there's no hand-me-downs. Nope, no hand-me-downs. So, you know, when I went shopping with my mom, it just, hey, like whatever I saw, like that's what we'd be getting and picking out. (laughs) You didn't have to worry about any of that stuff. Exactly. Would you describe yourself as nerdy or bookish or whatever? I have, I sense a theme sometimes with those who go to law school. Yeah. So I'm just wondering if you fit that at all. I definitely would be in that category. (laughs) I was always at the library and like part of my school, like each year, like through four, fifth, six, like we had to read books, you know, it was part of like the summer, summer thing that we had to do. So I would always find myself in the library, like writing poems, that sort of stuff, drawing poems, Mm -hmm. writing poems is a little bit different. That's not every fifth or sixth (laughs) grader. I'm just saying, I don't know where you drew the inspiration from or if there was like a unit in, <laughs> in fifth grade. I feel like my teacher at the time was just very creative and she really was trying to pull, you know, like the creativeness out of us. And at that time, of course, you're like, what are we getting at here? But I enjoyed it and definitely appreciate like learning about haikus, poems, just all that fun stuff. <laughs> Well, and I'm also curious. So I lived in Lakeview for about eight years before moving to Oak Park. And for those who aren't from Chicago, we have downtown Chicago, which is what many people think of. But there are many other neighborhoods of Chicago, just like there are neighborhoods of New York. And Lakeview and Edgewater, as you said, are north of the city. What was it like living, like growing up in the city, essentially? I don't know. Do you feel like that made your childhood any different or maybe access to more cool cultural things, museums, whatever. How was that for you? Yeah, I always tell people. So I am a child of the Chicago public school system. So I always give a shout out. And of course, you know, CPS normally gets a bad connotation or bad rap, but I definitely cherish like my time there because I was able to meet diverse kids from different backgrounds. Just, you know, and my teachers are very diverse. Did you go to your neighborhood school? Or cause I did. Because I, I don't know. We won't get into this ton, but Chicago Public School has, system has this whole other like yep. schools you can test into and all this stuff. But you went to your neighborhood school in Edgewater. Yeah. So so for my um, elementary school and middle school, that was like our neighborhood school. It was called Hate School. And there was always a running joke like, oh, do you hate school? But it was spelled H-A-Y-T, not H-A-T-E. Then I progressed, went to high school at Lane Tech, Lane Tech High School. A lot of Chicagoans know that school, School of Champions. (laughs) That's a great high school, right? It really is. And is that, that was your local school? I'd say that one was a little bit of a travel time. You have to like, it was kind of yes. like in Wrigleyville, I guess you could say, because it was on Western Avenue in Addison. So I had to take the, yep. the red line, good old CTA, well-versed in transportation here. <laughs> but just that, I think, does say a little bit about your experience because a lot of teenagers are not jumping on yeah. the public transit yeah. to get where they're getting. Yeah. So I appreciate you expanding on so that. So the CTA was definitely my car. Like uh, growing up, we had no family car, none of that. So You don't need yeah. it. In the city, you don't need it. Yeah. Well, I ask my kids that now. It's a little bit more of a trek for us because it's more like 25 to 30 minutes on the L to get into downtown. But I'll say to my boys, so when you're like 15, 16, 17, are you going to take the train in and, you know, go to a concert? And then also there are kids, even where I live, who I've heard parents complain their kids don't want to learn to drive. 
Because they're like, I can bike around Oak Park and I can jump on the train to go downtown, which is just funny to me because we're not quite New York City. Right, exactly. (laughs) But sure. All right. So now I know you're at Lane Tech. Tell me a little bit about Lane Tech to the extent there's anything worth highlighting activities wise or interest wise, but then start transitioning. Explain what is the process for you for figuring out college and maybe even what you thought you were going to do in college. Yeah. So at Lane, I mean... It's a super school. We call it like basically the Hogwarts because our class sizes were huge. I feel like a thousand, <laughs> maybe exaggerating, but it just seemed like that many kids at the time. It's a huge campus. There were geese on the lawn every morning. So you had to kind of navigate to try to get to, you know, whatever entrance you had to. <laughs> and it was huge. Like you had to figure out like which staircase to be at. Because like, you know, one of your classes may be at Staircase M and then you have to run across the whole other half of the building. That sounds so complicated. I have to admit, I I Googled Lane Tech as we were talking (laughs) because I wanted to make sure I got it right. It's interesting because in Chicago, it's the like selective enrollment or the magnet school. So yeah, you had to test in the Lane Tech, which is difficult to do because I was reminded, I just want to make sure I wasn't mixing up the names of schools. But what's funny is, as you mentioned, CPS, you know, being a product of that, but CPS gets a, little, a bit of a bad rap because certainly there are schools within CPS that are underfunded and, you know, really need support. But I think a number, if not most of the top schools in the state of Illinois are CPS exactly. schools. And I'm certain Lane Tech is one of them. Yeah, Lane Tech, Northside, we have Jones College Prep. There's a few up there. Yep. And you were explaining just how giant it is and how complicated it was. (laughs) We had a whole map on the first day, you know, and we had to like highlight, okay, like I got to be at this part, you know, at 9 a.m. and then run once the bell, you know, for changing plans, literally. I have four minutes and 52 seconds. Yeah, and you're like holding a heavy backpack and books and you're trying to figure out the whole high school life. It was very anxiety driven, but it's very daunting, Yeah, very daunting, but a good four years for me. And did any of your friends go there, too? Or were you starting over? I'd say about three or four of us from like my middle school, like we went to Lane Tech together. But again, I feel like once we entered high school, we kind of drifted off into different friend oh, groups. Yeah, you know, that's like totally that's just what normally happens. what Absolutely. happens. And again, how big the class sizes were. I mean, you'll just, you know, end up in a whole different group than when you started in. So. You don't see people. You know what's weird? You talking about that actually puts like a little bit of like a pit in my stomach if I'm because I'm remembering when I was 14 or 13, 14 transitioning to high school. My school is significantly smaller, but still had around 2000 students. And you're afraid to navigate because you were used to a much smaller building yeah. usually. And the funny thing is now as an adult, I'm not afraid to navigate any building. I'm just like, I'll walk around, I'll figure it out. But at that age, there's definitely this like, am I going to get lost? Am I going to get late? Is, be late? Is somebody going to notice? It's a little nerve wracking. Really like, Thank you for bringing me back to that feeling, Ivory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you have any sort of academic focus while there? Is that something Lane Tech would do? And then, yes, let's talk about how do you figure out college? Yeah. So no, at Lane Tech, I mean, it started off like back in the day as a trade school. But at the time I went, it was really a free for all. They really highlighted a lot of AP honors classes. So you really could take whatever you enjoyed and whatever you'd want to. And there was a ton of clubs that you could join, like the key club. I mean, we had all different types of clubs, like Korean club, so many. And so again, like just the diversity at Lane, really appreciate that because I met tons of people from different backgrounds. One mm-hmm. of my best friends to this day still, like I think I met her freshman year, like she's from Lebanon. And so, you know, again, people that you normally probably wouldn't meet, I was able to meet at such a young age. 
Yeah. Was Edgewater diverse for you overall as a neighborhood? Yes, I think so. Just walking down the street, you would see all kinds of people, all shades, backgrounds. Um, So I really appreciate that. I figured you would say that, but I know for me in the years that I was in Lakeview, it really wasn't, particularly when it comes to to Black women, which, you know, for listeners that can't see you, which you are, I Yes, I am. (laughs) Edgewater being essentially just a little bit north of that. I do know the diversity increases, but I wanted to make sure I actually asked you about it. Definitely. I felt the same vibes when I got to Lakeview, as you mentioned, a little bit less diversity. I feel like they're, you know, still trying to... To well, diverse in other ways, right? Because it's also known as like the street, like sort of like the epicenter for the LGBT community, or at least the gay male community to some extent. So it's certainly diverse in a lot of ways. But okay, sorry, I keep taking you off on the sides. College. College. Where did you go? How did you decide? You know, again, coming from not a lot of money, money was definitely top of mind. And so I really just applied to any school that I felt like had a good enough four-year program that I could just fit into. And so I actually went to undergrad at the University of Illinois at Chicago. So (laughs) went there for four years, got in, and actually went to their business school. Yeah. Did you focus on staying local for college? Was that intentional? It was very intentional just to save on costs and things. I know a lot of people would be like, oh, I'm getting out of my state, like don't want to see family, just trying to get away. But, you know, I said, you know, it's fine for at least four years, save on money, you know, live with my parents and saved up. I I just thought like that was the most strategic route to go. (laughs) Yes, it gets me a degree. And I don't know if you were able to get any sort of like scholarships or other financial aid that helped close that gap. But I think what you're saying is really pragmatic. And frankly, it's something that most people think about. Yeah. And then also like at Lane, I feel like in my senior year, they really tried to help the students at least try to understand what we'll be getting into. Because again, Lane Tech is a college prep high school. So they kind of get you thinking about finances, financial aid, very important things. So that was definitely top of mind as to like why I chose UIC to go to. Yeah. Did you know what you wanted to do? And it's always interesting, by the way, when I talk to the summers or someone earlier in their career, because the time gap just isn't as big. But still, you know, you do. You know, I saw that you worked for a while, either I guess maybe while you're in law school or before. I'm not sure we'll unpack all of that. But so it wasn't as long ago for you that you were you know, deciding what should my major be. And you, you mentioned that you were in the business school there. So what was the thought process behind that? Why did you focus on that? So rewind like ever since I was little always did want to become an attorney but you know of course never had anyone in my family to see like oh was this actually an attainable goal so straight out of high school I was like okay maybe let's go into the business school like the business school realm because I knew that Chicago has a great business center it's like a hub for yeah, a business. business community yep. and so I was like let me just take a shot at this And also it would help with like my networking and just interpersonal skills, just being in business. And so that's why I had focused solely on business. I actually was a finance major. And again, finances have always been like top of mind for me. And it's so practical. It's such a good thing to understand, says the former philosophy (laughs) and law and society major. (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, just learning about investments, all that stuff. So I was like, you know what? this is for me and it helps. And I actually worked while I was going to school as an undergrad. I worked in the College of Business as like a receptionist. So that's kind of how I also gained more interpersonal skills while also doing my classes. And then I actually had an internship while I was there working for 
Cook County as a summer intern back in, I think, 2014 in the, actually, the, the tax department, Department of Revenue. So that was a very fun experience. Really? I'm surprised. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I know. It doesn't sound fun, but it was fun for me. <laughs> But you know what it was? I admit to this on most of the episodes. I'm just sharing my bias. When you say finance and you say tax, and I was like, oh, that's fun. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. As I insult anybody who's interested, fun for you could be different from fun for me, but go on. <laughs> yeah, no, so it was a, just a really good experience just seeing like the government side of things. And again, I mean, at what, 21, 22, like, <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. And you're still thinking, is law school still in the yep. back of your it mind? It was still or there. Still, still there. I'm okay. like, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to get there. Well, and how was the transition to college overall academically? I mean, because I'm pretty sure, like, based on what you're saying, Lane Tech is, you know, very challenging school. Do you feel like it helped you to be able to excel in, in college or was there an, an adjustment at all? Oh, I think it definitely helped. Um help the transition. There were a lot of classes that I felt like I could lean on and take what I learned from like basic, you know, high school classes, but then apply it to these undergrad classes, like my English courses, math generally. Yeah, I felt like Lane Tech's program was very well-rounded and was able to at least give you some like foundation to go and succeed in college. And again, for how large of a school Lane Tech was and how large of a school UIC's campus is, that definitely helps. I was able to navigate and be better at, you know, mm, navigation. So that's a good point. It was like not even like the hard skills that they were teaching us, but basically the soft skills, just how to navigate and like yeah, meet and people. feel confident yep. that you can figure out complex things. Yep. I ask about the transition from high school to college and of course the transition from college to law school because it's something that anyone going to become a lawyer has to go yeah. through. But also they can feel really different. So I know we have a little bit of ground to cover because you worked a little bit before starting law school. But I know for me, the transition from high school to college was like not that hard. I mean, maybe we could talk socially and all that stuff, but academically was not because I went to a really difficult high school. So college just was like, I hate to say it, but me operating at like 50% yeah. was still going <laughs> to yep. get me that like B plus like, A minus, which yep, was, I'm doing it. but for other people, it can be much more jarring depending on the quality of your high school. So it's, it's just interesting to talk about. So you're focused on finance. You're at UIC. Let's say put you back in time where you're closing in on graduation. Yeah. What's the thought process? What do you think you want to do or what do you end up, up doing? Because I know you didn't go straight to law school. Tell me about that. So I'd say my last year at UIC, that summer, summer of 2015, I was luckily, lucky enough to have interned at TransUnion, which is where I worked during my 1L year and prior to law school. So there I was a compliance intern. So again, like government focus and helped a lot on like regulatory compliance projects and project management overall. And I was doing my work. And so normally, you know, a summer internship, you end after the summer, like that's normally how it goes. But I was able to stay on while, you know, complete my last semester at UIC. So very thankful to just to be, you know, hanging on, learning more about like the real world and professional life. So definitely a huge adjustment. And prior to like graduation, my manager at the time and who I was working with, they're like, you know what, we really appreciate like your work, work ethic and just you as a person. And so I actually had a job offer prior to even graduating. So that was mind blowing, shocking, That's wonderful. compared yeah. to like a lot of my friends that were still, you know, in the job hunting and trying to find something after graduation. So I've been very just blessed and fortunate to have that offer. If you hadn't have gotten it, do you think you would have 
gone to law school earlier? Or did you feel like you wanted to take some time off between? Yeah, I still feel like I would have taken some time off. I feel like just have a mental break, you know, (laughs) from school and then jumping straight into law school. That's a whole battle and a whole adjustment. I was a bit of the opposite when that was like, you want me to find a real job? How does one do that? I'll just go to grad school. But also, so TransUnion, I think, and please correct me, what comes to mind for me is like the credit reporting. Yeah, it's uh, one of the three nationwide credit reporting companies. You know, we also at TransUnion would call it a global insights and information because there's a lot of information going on and learning about a consumer. So yes, definitely that is TransUnion. Yeah, I've known a few people in their in-house legal team over the years, but never gotten into the weeds really of what they did. So you accept that offer, you graduate, and then you go to TransUnion. For how long? And what was the job? Yeah, so it was about like five, five and a half years at this point. So yeah, I initially started out in their legal department. So then I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, slowly getting back into the law school journey. And so I've, again, that was the goal was to eventually get to law school, but didn't know how to. So I was placed in the legal department, started out doing a lot of project management type work, litigation support, just working with a bunch of attorneys, learning their personalities, their styles. So that was definitely helpful. And then at some point I was like, okay, let me take this LSAT that people are telling me to take. And so I took it twice. My score at the time was not what normally law schools try to, you know, recruit that wasn't after. What you wanted. Yeah, but yeah. As you know and a lot of attorneys know, I mean the LSAT is very daunting, very, you know, the fees that you have to pay just to take the test. Mm-hmm. And let alone if you pay to do a prep yeah, course, oh, I don't yes. even know what those run yeah, these days, but they're one. not cheap. They were, it was like 900 something dollars. Yeah, you're closing on a thousand dollars. And by the way, even if you don't do that, if you want to pick up just like a, some books, yes, that costs money. money. So the first time I took the LSAT, I did, you know, self prep, bought the books like you noted. And then the second time I was like, okay, maybe I need a prep course. So then my fees increase even more, you know, taking the prep course. Mm-hmm. But then again, my score wasn't up to par. And so I had applied to a couple law schools still at the time and was actually, you know, didn't get the offer from any of the law schools I I applied to. But I also knew that, hey, I'm not going to take this LSAT again. (laughs) So Mm. I feel like that's when I was an advocate for myself and was like, let me actually reach out to, it was John Marshall at the time, so UIC Law. And I wrote to the, at the time, the Dean of Admissions or the Assistant Dean of Admissions and said, you know, I understand that my LSAT score is maybe not up to par in what the school normally accepts. However, I feel like these standardized tests really don't show a person, all you kind, know. It's, yeah, all kinds it's, of, and, it's, yeah. and by the way, it's well documented. It's, do you learn in a certain way and are you good at tests? I've referred to it at least three times on the show, but Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, Revisionist History, he has a three parts or three shows dedicated basically to the LSAT. And it's a little bit about standardized testing, but mostly the LSAT. And he breaks it down and he talks about the difference between the tortoise and the hare. And the LSAT is the hare. It's testing for the people who have speed skills. And if you do, that's wonderful. And there are some people who could walk in off the street cold and score a perfect score. And then there's others of us who are more, you know, potentially more the hare who, you know, you'll get to the same spot. And by the way, in legal practice, there's a place for the tortoise, but there's also very (laughs) much a place for the hare. (laughs) So... And I'm sorry, at this point, I should just have the episode number for listeners because I've said it so many times, but you're going to have to Google Malcolm Gladwell, Revisionist History and LSAT, everyone just do that. But go on. So you write this persuasive letter. Yeah, I was like, hey, you know, I don't think, you know, these standardized tests really show 
a person's success and what they could do. And I said, you know, coupled with my work experience at the time, because now I've been at, I was at TransUnion for about four and a half or five years. I'd say, you know, I would like a shot at, you know, entering the law school. And so, you know, I get a response back saying, hey, you know, we re-looked at your file and you'll have to, you know, attend this pre or like conditional type program this summer. So that was the summer of 2019. It was a 10 week program that I had to go through. It was me and a bunch of other students just trying to get into the law school. And so that program basically was run like a 1L class because we had like an intro to contracts class, an intro to to property. We had a legal writing portion. And so again, someone without any law school or legal background, just trying to see what law school is all about, like this conditional program really was the highlight. Well, so it's like a lot of some preparation. Did it have grades with it? Like, could you earn credit at all as doing that? Or was it fully to get you prepared? Yeah, it was to get us prepared. We received no credit. And again, it was very competitive because I believe it was a total of 40 of us, but they were only choosing the top 20. So, I mean, I worked very hard, me and my other (laughs) counterparts through that program. And, you know, we made it through we had to do oral arguments like the last day. And again, had no clue what an oral argument was. But I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised that I, I mean, I've definitely aware of particularly in undergrad summer programs that will run to acclimate, you know, potentially like first generation yes. and other sorts of students. But I wasn't aware in particular that UIC had that. That's really interesting. And I want to talk more about that. But before we do, I know you highlighted that when you were at TransUnion, it was project management, litigation support. But I also know at some point you switched to intellectual property. And I think that's going to tie a little bit to what you're, you're doing at Foley. So also tell us a bit about that. So at some point, I think it was 2016, we were doing so normally in house. And as you know, we get to do a lot of compliance trainings and read the the company's policies and all that stuff, knowledge that you read it and really understood the policies. One of the policies trainings dealt with intellectual property and trademarks. And I was like, wow, this is very interesting stuff. Just, you know, protecting the brand, protecting the, the company. And I knew one of the attorneys there who was the head of our international group and also our IP division. And I said, hey, Gary, how can I help you? You know, how, how can I learn more, more about IP and the trademark space? And so ever since then, just being proactive and asking, how can I help you? I was able to assist him and started managing the company's trademark portfolio, domestic and international. So it just goes to show you, and I always tell like my mentees, like, you know, just be proactive, reach out because you never know. You never know <laughs> what opportunities. And we're going to get to soon how that is also what you're focused on at Foley is that trademark copyright advertising. And I'll plug a few of the TCA partners I've had on when we get there in case people want to hear more about it. But I'm just glad I got you to share that because I think it's very much relevant. Okay. But now take us back. You do this difficult, is it a summer program essentially? Yes, it's a conditional summer program. Yep. And were you doing that while still working? Yep. So, you know, (laughs) it was a busy summer. I was able to at least take a couple weeks off to prep for like finals because we actually had finals at the time. And then again, oral arguments. So, was lucky enough to have that free time. But yes, the majority of the summer I was working and doing this very intensive program. Summer 2019. Summer 2019. So pre-pandemic. And I successfully completed the program, made it in. And so I was able to start fall 2019. Fall 2019. Yes. So when I started as a part-time evening student, 
because I was also still working and then going to school. And that was a whole experience. I feel like a lot of my friends who are also part-time evening, we have a whole different perspective to law school compared to, you know, students coming straight from undergrad to law school. Yes. Well, between the working and then also, so working before and then working During. during. Yeah, you're bouncing a lot more. And I think in many ways that perspective is really valuable. I was someone who went straight through, like, I graduated from law school at 24, I want to say. And fortunately, I made some friends with people in law school who had a number of years of work experience. And I got to see how they were able to essentially compartmentalize (laughs) law school between work and then often family as well in a way. And this is, you know, everybody's different. So I don't I don't want to insult anybody who went straight through and also was really great at this. But when there's a word for it, when whatever you have to do is going to fill the time you have allotted for it. I forgot what that's called. But when law school is all you're doing and you are 22 years old, you may not have a lot of perspective, right? And sometimes that perspective can actually be really helpful Yes, to be like, I have to do my studying for this now because I have work at X time or I have children or I have X, Y, Z. So I could definitely see that. Yeah. And so like you said, compartmentalizing and just, you know, okay, coming from work, shut that piece of my brain off. Okay. Now it's time for law school, you know, read my briefs before class and get prepped for class. So it was definitely a skill and just learning how to time management, all of that. And I know it's a little bit unique because of that program you went through, but that sort of, I guess, was your transition to law school in certain ways. But generally, what was the transition to law school like for you? At that point, you'd been out of school for, you know, five or so years. Everyone says, you know, law school is very different. How did you find that adjustment? Definitely more of an adjustment, you know, because like we said, from high school to college, okay, that was fine. But from college and then working, you know, out in the field and then coming back to school, a huge adjustment because... Law school is not undergrad. And you'll hear that like in orientation all the time in law school orientations, like, you know, this is not like your undergrad class. You can't just read the night before and think you'll understand the case. I mean, there are some that, you know, attempt that, but hey. Yeah, last (laughs) night stuff. Well, and also generally your grade is based on one big exam. Uh, That was most of the time. Huge adjustment. Yes. So you have no feedback throughout as to whether you're actually understanding concepts. And then also in law school, and I feel bad because I don't talk about this very much on the show, and I feel I obviously should. Often the class is graded on a curve. Yep. I'm sure there's exceptions to that. But for those aspiring lawyers listening, that means it is predetermined that X percentage of you will get around this grade and say it centers around, I don't know, let's take a B minus or a B. Uh A certain percentage of you are allowed to get higher and a certain percentage of you are going to get lower regardless of performance in the sense of every single one of you could have written what many would say is an A paper. We are going to figure out who out of that is a C minus. Yes. And we're going to figure out who's an A plus. Exactly. (laughs) And we might really be splitting hair. We might not be, but we also may be really splitting hairs to get there. So yeah, learning all of that and, you know, okay, which curve are we on? Curve one, curve two. Oh, have you seen any of the jokes that are like law school professors grading exams by like just throwing the papers down the stairs (laughs) to say like, you know, the top of the stairs is the A and the bottom (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was definitely a huge adjustment. Like, wow, my whole life depends on this one final. This one grade. Wow. Like, so that was never before seen. And again, 1L year is like the most important year because you want to set yourself up for success and take those classes very seriously. And so again, like just 
I remember like studying on the bus, studying on the train, any pieces of time that would be considered downtime to study. I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh, but you're <laughs> so here you are being like, I remember studying on the bus, on the train, and then I turned to your LinkedIn. It's like studying on the bus, on the train. Meanwhile, I was managing TransUnion's domestic and international yeah. trademark portfolio for over 30 <laughs> countries. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was doing. <laughs> yeah, because I would be like, okay, I can go home, like use this time, my travel time to study. But then like when I get home, I may have to like log back on, do some more work. And I can laugh now because you made it through that time period, but I can only imagine the amount of work and everything that that you're balancing so much so you make it through that first year but hey curveball there's a global pandemic that starts march 2020 of your first year yep which by the way makes it very interesting talking to all of you summers because i'm really capturing the law school pandemic experience and if in i don't know five or ten years someone listens to this and wants to know what it was like I'll have a, a number of Foley Summer Associates they can locked in time talking about that. You did get your first semester in person. Very thankful because the law school experience is like, no, like, you know, pre-pandemic, that what to me was like, that was a true law school experience. Once we transitioned online, I mean, that was, that was a whole new law school experience, a whole new, a whole new ball game. And just, you know, having our professors learn WebEx and Zoom and oh my goodness. Because by now we're all super well-versed, but back then the professors are struggling. They don't even know how to deliver content. I'm I'm sure for a while it was emails like saying what you should read until they figured out virtual learning. I won't dive too into the hardships of that because we all just, we all lived our own versions. We know it was hard, but it's just interesting to mark that in time. So how does it work as a part-time student? It means you're going to take, is it a four-year program then instead of three or what's the structure? I was just talking to someone about this. So part-time evening, we're on the four-year track compared to finishing law school in three years. And so I've been in law school for three years, entering my last year. So technically this is my fourth year. When I say like, oh, like it's (laughs) like, I'm ready to be done. Like I actually am. I'm ready to be done. But I'm still enjoying the process. Did you work full time that first back at TransUnion for the summer after your first part time year? How did you balance working and summer opportunities? Yep. So I was still working that whole time. So fall 2019 and then, yeah, through the summer, summer 2020, still working at TransUnion full time. And I actually took a summer class. So just balancing that. I was taking con law during the summer. Well, it's funny because your day job kind of almost is the sort of job a lot of law students would hope to <laughs> Yes. I mean, you're doing more than they would do as a summer experience, but yeah. And again, working during a pandemic, that was a thing. Also challenging. Also challenging in conjunction with going to law school during the pandemic. So it was just a whole adjustment period for everybody during like summer 2020. And then I stayed on through fall 2020 also. So Okay. Stayed on meaning still at TransUnion. Yes, yeah, still at TransUnion. So does that mean fall of 2020? Did you leave to focus on law school or how did that work? No. So I still was working full time. Okay. I feel like when was it? Spring of 2021. So actually last year, around February or so, that's when I made the executive decision to explore other opportunities. And as soon as I did that, you know, I was focusing then on law school full time. And then last summer, I had the great opportunity to work for a federal judge here in the Northern District of Illinois. Which works out really well. That's a great experience to have. Great experience just seeing, you know, a judge's chambers and 
it was a very invaluable experience just going to some trials, sitting in, seeing the whole jury selection process, writing memos for my judge. It was a great experience. I'm sorry, I see the judge on your LinkedIn. I see it was Kennelly or Kennelly. Yes, I hope I'm yep. saying it right. Judge Matthew Kennelly. Kennelly. I've definitely worked on some stuff in front of him. I mean, it would have been a long time ago, but I know that judge's name. <laughs> I might say his name wrong, but I know his name. So then let's talk about figuring out how did it work out that you ended up at Foley for this summer? So last summer, I was doing the my externship with Judge Kennelly, but also I interviewed at the Cook County Bar Association Minority Job Fair. Great job fair if you're in the Chicago area to attend. They really are looking to meet diverse minority students and try to place us in, you know, these big law firms or other law jobs. And so I was fortunate enough to have a lot of interviews set up during last summer. I was interviewing with a, a whole host of um, firms and luckily interviewed with Foley. And I felt like the conversation felt well and I really enjoyed the attorneys I spoke with during my interview. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, got a call, said, you know, we'd like to have you next summer. So, yeah. And here you are. And we will talk about this summer. I keep joking that the law students listening are going to be so annoyed that I'm making them wait 40 minutes to answer the main question of how was your summer at Foley? I will ask that in a moment. But can you say just a little bit more about the Cook County Bar Association job fair in terms of how did you hear about it? And just a tiny bit, I don't want to spend too long on it, but a tiny bit about what that process was. Because I think it's not dissimilar. I think it's pretty similar from most on-campus interview processes. So I'd love for you to just say a few words about that. Yep. So at my school in particular, and I know at other law schools in the area, normally we have a CCBA rep at our schools that are linked with the attorneys at the Cook County Bar Association. And so that's how I found out about the job fair. And one of my really good friends, he's like, oh, hey, you, you have to interview this summer. Like, this is the time. If you don't do it now, you'll just have to go through the OCI process. And so I was like, oh, like, should I really do this? Because again, last summer was working for Judge Kennelly, taking a summer class. And then here I am now during the, during the job fair. And it was very intensive. A lot, you know, a lot going on. But During a global pandemic. But go on. Yeah, all during a global pandemic. But here I am. <laughs> So normally, I think I got like eight interviews. And normally, it just depends on, you know, if the firm reaches out to you through their online portal. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm sure you select the something virtually and you see who decides yep. to meet you. And so it was a one day full of interviews back to back, just talking about myself. That was, <laughs> that was very intensive, very interesting, though. And again, this was all done via Zoom. And so I was just hoping during my interviews that the internet connection would just, you know, stay on, which luckily it did because normally... And by the way, word to the wise, this doesn't always work because I know a lot of screening interviews are still done virtually. And I think that's going to stick around. It used to be you all at a meeting in person, even at the CCBA, but... You can go to the website for the law firm, and if for some reason your stuff drops, you can call that attorney on the phone because chances are they're interviewing you either in their office or even if they're at home, it'll ring through to their phone. And I just think a lot of law students forget that. And you're just like, oh, my God, what if I, the Internet drops? <laughs> it'll make you feel a little bit better. So you meet with a bunch of people. You talk about yourself a lot. Foley chooses you. Yay. You choose Foley. Did you know going in that the trademark copyright route was your preference or were you open? Yes, I did. Definitely had an interest in our the IPTCA group here at Foley, you know, given my past work experience. And that definitely came up during my interviews with the partners and the associates. So, yeah, I feel like it kind of just fell into plan. 
Yeah, it just worked out. So we're going to skip the year you then had to go to law school in between that interview experience. A lot of full year was like, I don't know, eight, nine months, whatever it was before you started here. And now finally, let's talk about your summer. So what has it been like being a summer associate at Foley and Lardner in the Chicago office? It has been a tremendous experience. Just, you know, seeing the law firm side of things, because again, I was in-house, saw that. I was working for my judge, so I saw that side of things. And so I've always been interested in the firm side of things and seeing how lawyers work at a firm. And so I feel like Foley definitely helped me see that and confirm like certain things that I thought of, like what would go down, I guess you would say, (laughs) inside a law firm and just working on very substantive client matters, but also, you know, enjoying meeting and networking with the attorneys here. And I feel like Foley does a great job in giving the summers meaningful work, but also balancing the social events, social aspects, which is definitely key. Because the social is important too. You need to get to know us. You have the time to do it. And how has it worked for you with that focus on trademark and copyright and advertising. I've tried to explain if any of the listeners who are law students curious about how that works being a summer at Foley and you listen to more than one episode, I think I repeat this multiple times, but your experience will vary depending on the office. So some people come in essentially undeclared, right? Just they're going to work on a number of things. And at the end, they're going to say, I really like corporate or I really like litigation. Others, and I think like yourself, come in knowing I'm going to be a summer working with the trademark group or with particularly, by the way, those with IP backgrounds are more even more likely to come in knowing. But similarly, you might be in a smaller office where it's, oh, you know, it's the restructuring group that has needs. So that actually can vary a bit. But for you, I'm sorry, I've been repetitive, but like you come in knowing it's TCA, do they kind of connect you with the folks in Chicago and they start giving you assignments or how does that work? It was great at Foley. And I know a lot of other law firms, they have like a work allocation portal. So you're able to, you know, see the projects that are available in IP and really just in any subject matter that you're interested in and choose which one you'd like to assign yourself and you get to work on the project. And so I definitely did work a lot on some IP matters, but also Another interest of mine was to see, you know, what else is out there, like the other Mm -hmm. areas and groups within Foley. I feel like it's also important to meet attorneys outside of your practice area. It is. Because if I don't know the answer, someone else does. And if they, you know, they may have a client that has an IP question and because I reached out, like maybe I'm able to help them, you know, so... That was my goal this summer. Look at you. You know all about the cross-selling <laughs> like before you even started. Yeah. Perfect. That's right. Ivory. Yeah. And I think, again, <laughs> just based on like working out in the real world for like about five and a half years, that definitely helped with feeling comfortable emailing people. Hey, like remember like my first day or second day, like here at Foley, I just sent out like mass cold emails to attorneys like, hey, I'd like to meet you. My name is Ivory. So again, it's all about networking and letting people know like, more about myself, but also I want to learn more about you. And so I feel like I did a so good enough That's what job the for. Yeah, at doing that and was able to work on a lot of different interesting matters. Yeah, I love it. Well, and I want to plug a little bit because I'm not saying you're 1000% promise to TCA, but given your background, it seems like that'll be the group where you would end up, you know, but things happen. So I do just want to say for listeners curious to learn more about that practice group, I had Mark Diliberti, who is the chair or the lead of TCA, and he's episode 41 of the show, does a really good job at explaining what the practice is and also some of the challenges associated with it. 
Yes, because technically trademark, copyright, and advertising, they're actually separate areas of the law that we tend to put together, but they're not the same. And so there can be quite a bit to learn. And then I've also had Jeff Green on and that's episode 51. And he is another partner focused on TCA, trademark, copyright, advertising. So if that's something you're interested in, I'd recommend listening to them speak about it as well. I do think it's really interesting for you though, Ivory coming in and it sounds like you got to do a number of assignments, but also supporting TCA. This is maybe stating the ob- or asking the obvious, but the almost six years, because once again, looking at your LinkedIn, that you spent and two and a half or so of those focused on managing a trademark portfolio. Do you feel like that experience is translating either subject matter wise or just the fact that you did spend so many years essentially working in an in-house legal department? Is it helpful or is it very different? I could say it was definitely helpful because, you know, a lot of the documents that I had to review, I was like, okay, I'm familiar with, you know, this specific trademark document that we would get from, we called the United States Patent and Trademark Office. So I was able to see, you know, these similar documents that I worked on previously, or at least saw in-house, but now from a firm side of things that I'm doing more so about, you know, client engagement and giving recommendations. So I feel like my work experience in-house definitely helps with at least understanding generally a lot of the things that I was assigned this summer. Yep. I'm a little bit jealous. It's not the first time I've said this to someone where I was like, wow, I'm jealous of the context you brought to being <laughs> first to being a summer associate. And then I think we can assume you'll bring that also as an, you know, an attorney. And I hope is that fully because we have a little, you still have to go back to school and then graduate and come back here. Also, in terms of highlights of the summer, whether it be assignments or activities, are there parts of the summer that really stand out to you or that you most enjoyed? Yes, I get asked this by a lot of the attorneys here. And I'd say one of the best events that was planned by Foley was called Restaurant Roulette. And for the listeners, it's basically the summers. We sat in a room. We had to pick from a bowl of random restaurants in the West Loop. And all the restaurants were great. And so we were able to randomly pick a restaurant and then also randomly pick the attorneys that we'd be going out with. So it was a good networking experience as well as a good food experience. And my particular restaurant was called Sepia. For those of you listening, you may know. And that was the first time I had caviar. So thank you, Foley, for Thank you, Foley. Thank you. Yes, for introducing me to caviar. Now you're making this sound so fancy. (laughs) If you come to Foley as a summer associate, we'll give you caviar. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that was definitely one of the major highlights. And I'd say a second one, non-food related, because I do love food, was me in the summers, we actually coordinated to meet Daljeet when he was in Chicago. And this was prior to the retreat. Yes. So this is Daljeet Dougal, our new chairman and CEO, who as of the time of recording this has been in the role, I'd say for about three months. Normally we get the emails from our lovely receptionists saying, who's in the office today? And so we saw Daljeet's in the office. So one of our summers, you know, sent a group text like, hey, Daljeet's in the office. And so we were like, oh, we got to meet him. And we basically, you know, looked at his schedule, tried to see when he was available, had help from the receptionist. And we set up a time and we were able to go upstairs and meet him and have just like, you know, like that nice one-on-one interaction, just in a small group setting, just to hear more about his role and how he operates it fully. Yes. Which, as you know, Daljeet, I'm certain, absolutely loved because he is all about, no, I'm serious, he's all about people reaching out and meeting with him in person. And also, 
I think it's really important for people to know, like Dalajit is now one of maybe three people of color leading an Amlaw 50 law firm. This is my fourth large law firm. And it sounds weird to say, particularly as director of diversity inclusion, I never really thought I would get that opportunity. Obviously, our former chairman and CEO and the many other, you know, tremendous people leading these Amlaw firms are wonderful. But it is something to see someone whose background is a little bit different, whose life experience is a little bit different from the average Amlaw 50 CEO. And again, when you see someone that, you know, looks like you and come from like maybe a similar background, it just gives you a lot of hope like, okay, you know, maybe one day I can become the CEO of whatever firm or on the board of directors. Yep. And something that stands out to me, and I don't wish for anyone to be marginalized ever, but, you know, we all know that when you're, you know, quote unquote, like diverse or underrepresented from whatever category, it likely means that at some point in your life, you've had the experience of being othered. And frankly, most humans will at some point, but, you know, you've maybe had it more often. And that's, you know, I know Daljeet's had that experience. Like he knows what it feels like to be treated differently. And I think in a variety of ways. And, you know, that also informs who he is as a leader, which is a tremendous leader and business lawyer in his own right. But it's wonderful that you all got to spend some time with him. And also, can I speak briefly to the fact that your summer class appears to have gotten relatively close? You mentioned you just hit up the group text. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we have a whole group text. And that's another thing that I'm very thankful for in just my summer class and being able to network not only with attorneys here, but also, you know, my peers. And so that's been a great experience. Which is so important. And I think, you know, whether you're at Foley or, you know, another firm for those law students listening, it's not just about getting the firm or getting to know the firm and doing the work. It absolutely is. But you will be likely, if all goes well, become relatively close with many of your fellow summer associates. And you will, 10 years from now, when you're partners at a firm, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I summered with so-and-so. And now we work on these deals together. It really does create deep bonds. And I also think, frankly, with your class, having been so impacted by the pandemic, I think the appreciation of being able to do that and do it in in person is even more so than for others. And, you know, of course, they always tell you in law school orientation, the legal community in Chicago is small and it really is. So just building these bonds is very crucial and just, you know, being a nice person. That's always tell people just be a nice person, you know, just get to know others because you never know. And by the way, being nice and getting to know people that actually I get it. It might be a skill that some people have, but being nice is not a talent. And I recall when I was still practicing some of the more perhaps trying times of my legal practice that were not at Foley and Lardner, reminding myself, Alexis, at the very least, remain kind. (laughs) Just keep that side. There's a whole 50% of how you interact and how people judge you that doesn't have to do with your actual legal skill. It's just, are you okay to be around? Right. Well, so Ivory, as we start to wind down, I'm going to ask you my final sort of like two big substantive questions. And the first is, was there anything you wanted to touch on in our conversation that you haven't had the opportunity to discuss yet? And then after that, it's what's your overall advice to, I don't know, that law student navigating things or someone contemplating law school, just whatever advice you'd like to give. So to your first question, if there's anything that we could have touched on, I'd say just outside of law school, I do like to practice yoga, run by the leg. I feel like it's very important. And so I always... Oh, I like that you're raising yeah, that. All the other health, take, take care, care of yourself, yourself all that. students. Very important. By the way, I'm glad you didn't mention that earlier. We would have spent a full 20 minutes just talking You know, about mental health is important and just being your best self. Because if you're 
burnt out. There's no way you can perform at your highest potential. What do they say? It's cliche, but you cannot pour from an empty cup. Exactly. So, so you got to have yeah. you know, your outlets. If it's you know artistic, you play instruments, like do that. And so that's one thing that I do like to do is just practice yoga, run by the, the lake, beautiful Lake Michigan on the, on the river walk or, you know, on the lakefront path. I definitely enjoy like I had mentioned, I feel like I'm a self-proclaimed foodie. So like just trying out different food restaurants in the area, definitely a highlight of mine. So that's just something I wanted to make known. I love that you mentioned that. Also, being a summer associate is usually a pretty good thing for a foodie. Oh, yes. You will get exposed yes. to a number of restaurants during <laughs> yes, the summer. Thank you, Foley. <laughs> but depending on the firm, you can kind of even come in with the list because a lot of times attorneys will be like, where do you want to go? Like, where haven't you been? And you're like, oh, it's funny. Funny you should yeah, ask. I, I have a list. <laughs> I really appreciate you bringing up the well-being. Particularly, we've talked about so much about just all the work and how busy you've been over the last many years at any given time. And the fact that you're still, that you prioritize your, you know, physical and, you know, mental health and well-being, I think is a testament. Like it can be done. And then, yeah, the second question, by the way, I think you just gave some great advice, by the way. Yeah. But is there other overarching advice you'd like to share? Yeah. Another piece of advice I'd say just be responsive. That's what one of the attorneys told me, like, you know, respond to emails, even if it's just to acknowledge that you got it, because you never know, because they may be waiting to hear back from you on something. And there's a difference between responsive and available. Those are not actually the same things. And some people think it's a, and you're saying this is a summer, this goes doubly or quadruply when you're an associate. Yeah. Yeah. Just being responsive and also following up. And I feel like, again, just me being able to work in the workforce for a while, that was something I definitely learned. Just, you know, follow up with people because they may be waiting to hear back from you and they like to see you being proactive, not just responding to them emailing you. So definitely follow up with, you know, your assigning attorneys on project matters just to give them a status update. Maybe you haven't found the answer, but at least letting them know like, hey, I haven't found the answer yet, but, you know, I'm doing X, Y, Z. Yeah. Ideally, you reach out to people before they reach out yeah. to you. Ideally. It's okay <laughs> if it's not that way, but ideally. And yeah, again, just prioritizing your well-being. If you can't function your work product won't be up to par. Yeah. Straight up. It just won't be very good. And I wish we had a lot longer to talk about this, but I will say hallmark of being an adult, a true adult is realizing nobody else will do that for you. No one's going to say, Ivory, did you drink water today? Right. Did you go for a walk? No, we just trust that you're doing that stuff. So hopefully you are. Right. You know, you got block out time for you. If it's a spa day, do the spa day, spa week, spa week. But yeah, definitely, you know, just prioritize and try to manage all of your tasks. That is perfect advice. So Ivory, the final question, which is not a hard one, is just if any listeners would like to reach out to you, of course, you won't have a Foley and Lardner email, at least not for a while. Is it okay if they find you on LinkedIn and connect with you that way? Definitely. I always welcome people to reach out to me and I've always had people, you know, try to like search me up. So yeah, not new to that. Definitely. All right. Well, with that being said, Ivory, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much, Alexis. Thank you for listening to The Path and the Practice. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and join us again next time. And if you did enjoy it, please share it, subscribe, and leave us a review as your feedback on the podcast is important to us. Also, please note that this podcast may be considered attorney advertising and is made available by Foley and Lardner LLP for informational purposes only. This podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship 
Any opinions expressed herein do not necessarily reflect the views of Foley & Lardner, LLP, its partners, or its clients. Additionally, this podcast is not meant to convey the firm's legal position on behalf of any client, nor is it intended to convey specific legal advice 